This morning, uh, we're going to be in Colossians chapter 4, as we continue with and uh, begin to wrap up this series in uh, the book of Colossians, actually the letter to the the Colossian church, written by the Apostle Paul. And uh, before we get into the word, uh, I'd ask you to join me as we pray again. Lord, this morning, as we open your word, we pray for wisdom uh, and understanding and insight. Uh, We thank you for the guidance that we receive from your word and the the challenge that we receive from your word. And our hope and our prayer, above all else, is that we might uh, allow your word to have its way with us, to shape us and mold us, to uh, direct us in the proper direction that we might be faithful to what you have called us to. So do this now among us for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As uh, people who have been changed by a message, we are called to share that message. Sometimes when we think about the Bible and theology, we think of complex systems of belief communicated through ancient writings that require effort to interpret and understand. And this is true. However, the basic message of the Bible, the good news that Jesus, the Son of God, became a person and died and rose again for us is a pretty simple message. So sometimes we get to wrestle with complex and difficult uh, thoughts and um, theology. But today we get to consider some, I think, pretty basic aspects of the Christian life. At the end of Paul's letter, he shifts from speaking about a more, uh, a more specific way of thinking, you know, the new self that he wants them to kind of think about putting on, putting off the old self, putting on the new, uh, to some, some more general instructions that could fit in just about any letter to just about any church. So this makes it good for us who are trying to pull meaning out of this ancient text. Here the message is pretty clear, pretty simple, and pretty widely applicable. It's been read already this morning, Colossians 4, verses 2 through 6. There's two things that Paul talks about that I want us to think about this morning. The first is uh, his request that they pray. But the, the request for prayer, it starts out as sort of a general kind of request for prayer, right? He says, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. But then he focuses in on a specific request. And so uh, the way I see this is that he's asking them that they would pray for the gospel, that the gospel would be heard, that the gospel would be, uh, have an impact in people's lives. One thing he says is um, that, they would, that they would pray that a door would be open for him to share the gospel, for them to share the good news of Jesus Christ. What I find interesting here is that Paul does not pray for a literal open door, which 
You might expect, as he indicates in this letter, he's writing this from prison. If I were writing a letter to you from prison, well, if I was in prison, I probably wouldn't be your pastor anymore. But if I were writing a letter to you from prison, my first request would be, pray that I get out of here. (laughs) Right? I mean... Wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't that be the, like the first thought in your mind? I'm in prison. I don't want to be in prison. Lord, open doors, literally, so that I can get out of prison. But that's not Paul's focus here. Of greater concern to him is that he get opportunities to declare Christ to others, whether he is in prison or out of prison. And we know this from other stories about Paul and Paul's life, because that's exactly what he did. He he spent time in several prisons throughout his life, because he wasn't a popular guy, because wherever he went, he was sharing this message about Jesus, and it was stirring up controversy in these places, and they would throw him in prison. And in prison, he kept preaching the gospel, and in some cases, even praising God while in prison. So he prays that the, he asks them to pray that that God would open doors for us to share the message as he says to declare the mystery of Christ. But another thing he asks them to pray for, he comes at the end of that first paragraph in verse 4, he says that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. So Two, two aspects of, of, of praying for the gospel that Paul shares. That, that opportunities would open up and that when they do, he, and, and we would put anybody in this place, us, we, uh, would communicate it well. Clear communication of the gospel. In a world of competing religious messages as well as competing worldviews that seek to give people meaning for their lives, Paul wants to be able to make clear what the message of Jesus is and how it compares to other messages of purpose, of meaning that are out there in the world that people are embracing for their own lives. Praying for the gospel in this way gives the church an opportunity to bring its thinking and its values in line with what is truly important for the body of Christ. That the world would know that Jesus Christ is Lord and and that the world would know what Jesus Christ has done for it. So the first thing he wants them to do is pray. Pray specifically for the gospel, for open doors and for clear communication. And then he moves on in verses 5 and 6 to give another more general sort of encouragement and instruction for their lives. He wants them to live well in the world. To live well in the world. Right? He, he says, conduct yourselves wisely toward outsiders. Now, outsiders here, right? This seems kind of like... Um, uh, unnecessarily uh, contrary in language, right? Oh, well, there, there's the insiders and the outsiders, right? What he means by outsiders is simply this, those who are not followers of Christ. 
In his world, a lot of those people were hostile to the church, to the body of Christ in the first century. Off and on, there were, there were moments, periods of, of severe persecution of, of the church. I mean, Paul is writing this letter from prison, right? And he's not in prison because he had too many parking tickets. He's in prison because of the ministry of the gospel in his life. So he calls them to be wise towards outsiders, which probably means don't treat them like outsiders. Because in Paul's context, it would have been um, Christians who were treated as outsiders, who were marginalized and pushed to the fringes of the community. But he wants them to be thinking, even now, he wants them to be thinking about the, the impact of the gospel. The impact of the gospel. Be wise toward outsiders. Be efficient with your time, right? Uh, Making the best use of of their time. Because it's limited. We don't like to think about that sometimes. But it's true. In my capacity as a pastor, especially in my church in New Jersey, my church in New Jersey had a very large contingent of very elderly people. I mean, a dozen or more, no, more than, more than a dozen, probably scores that were 85 and above. So I spent a lot of time in nursing homes and in ICU and going to hospitals and visiting people. And I've, I've shared this before a couple of years ago, but uh, it's still true today. I've never talked to anyone near the end of their life who indicated that they thought it went slow. They always say, almost to a person, they can't believe how quickly it went. Now we're in the midst of, I mean, when we're in the midst of the busyness of life, we're not thinking about that, right? But if we stop and, and think about that, I think we would recognize. I mean, my goodness, I'm, I'm 41. That's, that's a lot of years, right? That, that, that have already, <laughs> yeah, whatever. <laughs> that have already passed. Uh, I'm at that point now where I'm kind of like, okay, I probably there's a good chance I have less time left than I've already than I've already had on this earth. This is a this is a good way to think for us sometimes. It's a motivation, right? Making the best use of the time because the time is limited. Paul, he's in prison. It's not the first. It's not the last time. So he has a pretty good idea about um, the limited amount of time available to us. Uh, and so he lives as though his end is potentially near. If you read the beginning of 2 Corinthians, this is what Paul talks about. It's like, many times I have been at the point where I, I thought, okay, this is it. My life is going to end now. They're going to execute me or do whatever. So he has that perspective that he wants these folks to have. Because when we, when, when we know uh, our end or when we think it's close, we think differently about things. Priorities change. And so for Paul, the priority is the gospel. So conduct yourselves wisely toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Another way we conduct ourselves wisely toward uh, outsiders is that our speech is gracious, seasoned with salt. This is easy when we're speaking with someone who is also being gracious. 
but uh, you probably don't have to live too many days before you run into someone in some capacity or another who is not being gracious. And in those moments, it's pretty easy to justify. Well, okay, if that's the way they're going to be, that's the way I'm going to be. But then we think about the impact that the gospel might have in this world and, and, and how we might hinder that unnecessarily by not being gracious. So Paul gives no caveats. We can confidently assume that this message anticipates that they will face hostility. And he still calls them to be gracious. And in this, he's calling them simply to follow the example of our Lord. So what do we then do with this? I think it's pretty simple, pretty straightforward. This is a nice, kind of easy passage of Scripture to apply. Because it's written in sort of a general way. Sort of uh, generally it applies to all churches, all Christians, uh, from, from any era, from any generation. He asks them to pray, and we should also be praying. In a general sense, yes. Having that open communication with God, sharing your concerns and your burdens, but also uh, entering into prayer to line up our thinking with Him. But more specifically, as Paul encourages them here, pray for open doors for the gospel. And the words to make it clear. If you are praying for gospel impact, you will be more likely to be thinking about gospel impact throughout your day. And more likely maybe to recognize opportunities to share it when it arises. If you're praying for it for each other, as Paul asks them to pray that um, God would open doors to him to share the gospel. If you're praying for this for each other, you will be more likely to talk about it with each other and more likely to support each other in your efforts. Pray specifically about the gospel and the impact that it might have through you, through other Christians you know in your community and abroad. And then finally, I think what Paul is really getting at here is he wants them to recognize their role of stewardship here. He wants them to be good stewards of the message that God has given them. To take care to communicate it well, to communicate it wisely, which requires knowledge of the core message of the gospel, requires us to be careful to keep the core message, avoid adding things to it that are not the gospel, I've heard Christians add things, uh, different things to the gospel. I was in a, a, a ordination council one time. I was just observing this, and a pastor was was uh, grilling this young person who was, you know, wanting to be ordained, and and they asked a question: Do you think somebody can believe this? It was a theological thing, and still be a Christian. And the young guy, to his credit, said, yeah, I believe that. And the, and the old pastor said, oh, I don't. And I just sat there and I thought, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. There's, there's not other things added into that. 
Being good stewards of the gospel means recognizing the simple message and committing to communicate it in your life. Jesus, Son of God, crucified and risen. Communicating wisely includes not just our words, but also our attitude, the way we speak, the way we treat people. The gospel is going to be enough of an offense to some without us adding our own boorish behavior to the mix. In a world that is increasingly divisive and where hostility is growing between human groups and subgroups, the church should stand out as a community of people that is gracious to everyone. Our lives should look as though the gospel really has taken root in us and made a difference. May this church be constant in prayer, eager to share the good news, the hope that we have in Christ and gracious to all people. Let's pray. Lord, uh, we thank you for this uh, simple, sort of general instruction and encouragement that uh, the Apostle Paul has given to this church uh, many years ago and, and how that message still applies to us today. Lord, I pray that we would take it to heart, that we would commit ourselves to these things that Paul encourages this church to be about. Praying for open doors and clear communication of the gospel and being gracious to the people with whom we come in contact. Help us to do this, Lord, because we recognize that more is at stake than just our reputation and our being liked and having friends. But this life-saving message... May our lives reflect it and not hinder it from moving forward so that other people might hear and know how good you are. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.